What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. To episode 24 of the Clip City Podcast. I am your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today I am joined by a two-time guest, Joe Morgan. Uh, hopefully this time people will be able to hear what we're saying. Uh, I think last podcast was pretty good. Uh, just no one heard it. And <laughs> that now I think we could have another fun conversation and uh, the listeners can actually understand what we're saying. You know, last time we did this, Yovan, it was a it was a deep dive, and I remember you and I being very happy and impressed with ourselves afterwards. And then waking up in the morning and not being able to hear, well, my voice specifically was was really upsetting for me. So I think we I think we figured out the technical difficulties. We should be okay. Yeah, we're, we're not in person for this one, which which uh, is upsetting, by the way, in, yeah. its, in its own own right. But it, it makes it, it makes it work. We 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 did not have the combined audio wizardry to kind of understand uh, how this platform works uh so we recorded right next to each other and, and the audio was terrible so and to those who complained on twitter which was like literally like 30 plus people uh I, i'm sorry and hopefully this one will, will make up for it um but I, you know a lot has changed since our last conversation i don't know if you remember what we were talking about back then but one of the things we, we had centered on was the possibility of trading for anthony davis uh for the clippers and and you know, what type of package would be worth it and, and, you know, who would they include and what would that look like and, and what would be the pros and cons of that. Um, and, you know, a lot has changed since then. Obviously, that was, uh, I, you know, I think almost two months ago, uh, a lot, you know, Anthony Davis is on the Lakers. The Clippers signed Kawhi Leonard, traded for Paul George. Uh, they are now the Vegas favorites in, in a lot of sports books, um, you know, top two or three record over under in, in most sports books. Uh, so a, a lot has changed, uh, but I wanted to go to you because there, there's so much to unpack with this. Uh, I've already done two or three episodes worth of, of Kawhi and Paul George content, uh, but but I wanted to start looking and kind of putting things in perspective uh, with those two guys across the league because um, you know I think that's just one of the mo- more interesting things to do right now. There, there's not a lot of basketball content, uh, not a lot of not a lot of news outside of like Jeremy Lin and his free agency situation, uh, but. I just want to ask you, looking at Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, there's been a lot made of what's the best duo in the league. Uh, 2K even kind of got into the mix with uh, their kind of combined rating uh, for, for four duos. It was LeBron and AD, Kawhi and Paul George, Kyrie and KD, and Russ and, and James. Uh, so I'm just curious, uh, you know, what's your take on how great of a duo Kawhi and Paul George is and can be and uh is there another duo that you think is better than them in the league right now well first of all you're you're talking about we haven't had that much to uh discuss in the nba you're telling me man i had to cover a mlb game the other day <laughs> so when you're when you're covering baseball that, that, that's pretty bad <laughs> it's uh that's uh, that's an interesting experience so i'm glad we got to do this um look i mean a lot has happened uh there's a lot to unpack here and the nba 
in general, the landscape has changed completely, right? So we went from this situation for the past four or five years, or really nobody had a shot going into the season, basically, was Golden State's the team to beat. They're probably going to win the whole thing. Barring injuries, they're the best team in the league. And now we've switched to this really awesome setting in the league where it's pretty even across the board, especially in the West, right? The West is just completely stacked. And I, I, I don't think it could be any better for basketball. I think this is the best basketball we're going to see probably the past 20 years. Um, to answer your question about Paul George and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, just the combo and the duo, I, I do think they're incredible and they're fantastic and we're going to love every second of it. And I know Clippers fans are all fired up. I think we overlooked the AD LeBron James situation. I really do. And I, you know, I'm a guy that was, look, the Clippers are great and I I love the organization and I want to be the fanboy that could say they're the best duo in the league. But I got to say, I I think Anthony Davis and LeBron James rival the two of them. And I think there's a lot that goes into it. Um, Just to start, I think we, LeBron James is still LeBron James. He had a bad year. He got injured really for the first time in his career. And Anthony Davis basically didn't play last year. And we forget how good Anthony Davis is when he that Pelicans uh, Portland series two years ago when they swept him he was basically thought of as the best player in the league and last year he took the year off for the most part um, I, I think they're going to be a force to reckon with and then the injury history with Kawhi and Paul George scares me a little bit um, I you know I think we tend to gloss over the fact that Paul George is coming off multiple surgeries Kawhi mentioned just the other day his number one priority is being healthy things happen in the NBA. And if you have an injury history um, like they do, I think it's something we have to keep in the back of our minds and be aware of. Look, they're, they're the 1A, 1B, if you will, the, the two duos here in L.A. Um, but I, I, I'm a little more cautious than most when it comes to the Clippers and, and the duo here. You do know this is a Clippers podcast, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm actually with you. Um I do think it's close. And I think that, you know, for me, uh, I think right now Kawhi is the best player in basketball. Now that is with the caveat that like Kevin Durant was probably the best player in basketball before he went down, but he's obviously, uh, you know, out with his Achilles injury and we have no idea what he's going to be like when he returns. Uh, And I do think that just Kawhi, I mean, I think the gauntlet that Kawhi went through uh, in the postseason to go through Philly, Milwaukee and Golden State, uh, in my opinion, kind of retroactively looking at the league and the landscape, probably the three best teams in the league, or, I mean, Philly, maybe you, you could put Houston there. You, you may put Denver there, but like they were right there as probably the third, um, you know, you know, the, or I guess the fourth best team, if you're saying Toronto, Golden State and, and Milwaukee were the three best. Uh, so, you know, for that, basically the playoff run that he went through was so historic, so impressive. Uh, in my opinion, did not have an, another top 20 guy on his team, maybe even, not even another top 25 guy on his team. Uh, and you look at kind of the star clustering around the league. Yes, Toronto was deep. Yes, they were loaded defensively with, with big, long, athletic players who could switch and stuff. But uh, I just think, you know, Kawhi Leonard to me right now is the best player in basketball. I, I think you can argue for LeBron. You can maybe argue for Giannis. Uh, you know, KD will be in the mix if he comes back, you know, pretty close to, to what he was. Uh, but then you have LeBron, who I, I, I do think that, at some point he's going to regress. I mean, there's some like kind of San Antonio Spurs element to it where you, you we're always kind of wondering when is LeBron finally going to take the step back. And even last season, you know, yes, he got injured, but 
when he was healthy, he still was arguably the best player in basketball or at worst, the top five player. Uh, so, you know, he's kind of an uncontrollable variable or unpredictable variable here, excuse me, uh, where like, you know, what if LeBron does take a step back a little bit? And, and what if, you know, 5% worse of LeBron, uh, as crazy as that sounds, is like the third or fourth or fifth best player in the league? I, I don't know. Uh, like you said, I, I'm all in with you on, on AD in terms of, I, I think he's kind of my dark horse MVP candidate. Uh, I, I do think that there's a scenario in which he just goes crazy, you know, 27 or 28 a game, 12, 13 rebounds, a couple blocks, and, and he's, you know, arguably the best player in basketball and that, you know, leading candidate for MVP. Uh, and then you have Paul George, who I think he, he's another one that's kind of difficult to read. We, we don't know when he's going to be back from his, he had two shoulder procedures this offseason. It's kind of unclear if he's going to be healthy by training camp or the preseason. He could miss some time, uh, could also potentially adopt a, a rest, you know, load management program similar to what Kawhi did last season. So I, I, I'm, I'm with you on, on that overall. If, if I was betting, I, I think B- Bill Simmons actually talked about this on his podcast that they made a line in Vegas uh, that they predict that LeBron and AD will play uh, combined six more games than Kawhi and Paul George. I do think, I don't know how I feel about that because uh, Kawhi really surprised me at his presser where he said, uh, you know, someone asked him about load management and he kind of shot it down. And it was like, you know, last season I was coming off a a really traumatic injury. Uh, You know, I, I I really wanted to be healthy. And that was what, you know, I spoke about with the Raptors and, and, you know, we came up with this program and and that's what kind of kept me healthy last season. But this season I'm playing, I'm playing a full season, you know, uh, I, and, you know, I'm going to take it day by day, you know, game by game and kind of see how I feel. But, you know, my plan right now is to not really rest. So for him to say something like that to me, that kind of shifted my expectations of the Clippers season, honestly, because I was kind of like you pumping the brakes, like, hey, people are talking about them, 57, 58, 59, 60 wins, uh, you know, clear-cut best team in the league. But if Kawhi is load-managing 15, 20-plus games, you know, Paul George is potentially missing first couple weeks up to a month of the season, like, that's going to cost them some games. And, and it would not surprise me if, though they, I think they do have 61 potential, they end up closer to like 51, 52, 53 wins. Uh, but to kind of circle back to the, the whole duo thing, um, I, I'm with you. I think there's a lot of risk and uncertainty on both sides. Like, again, Kawhi could rest. Uh, Paul George could, could really have a debilitating injury all season. Uh, AD has his own injury history. And LeBron is about to be 35 and we've just never seen someone really be at this level at the age of 35. So um, again, I think on paper with, with what we do know, I would favor LeBron and AD. Uh, but, but outside of that, uh, I would, I would clarify too. I think if KD and Kyrie were healthy, I would still take Kawhi and Paul George. And I do not think James Harden and Russell Westbrook belong in this conversation. Same page, a hundred percent on the same page. Yes. I, I, I think, well, the, the Westbrook and Harden duo, we can get into a little bit later if you want. I That doesn't do anything for me whatsoever. So, you know, if there are two basketballs uh, in, in the in, in the NBA, then I guess they might have something. But uh, that's that's not the case. So, I, look, you make a good point about Anthony Davis and LeBron as far as me pointing out the fact that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have an injury history. Both of them on the Lakers do as well. So you do make, we're, we're splitting hairs here, right? At the end of the day, that's what we're doing. And I, I think both are going to be phenomenal duos. It's just, I'm LeBron James to me is still LeBron James. And, and I know that he's getting older, but and people and, and players regress, but I haven't really seen it yet. 
He just got hurt last year. That happens. A fully healthy LeBron scares the living hell out of me, just in general, because he can do anything he wants whenever he wants to do it. And I feel like he's found that way um, to rest throughout the season, even rest on throughout possessions um, in the league where he knows his body better than anybody else. But I, look, I, the Anthony Davis injury situation is he's had nagging injuries. I, I don't really, I still see him playing a lot of games this year. I, I know what, Ka- what Kawhi said at, at the presser. I, I get it. I, I just don't think that's the case. I think at this point in his career, and he hasn't been, you know, he's been around for a little bit now. I think him and his his people are probably going to want to have him get some rest. I don't see him playing, you know, a full 82, and we'll see what happens. Look, at the end of the day, I think, like I just said, they're both incredible duos, and it's going to be, like, I, I think the mecca of NBA basketball has switched from New York to LA. Like, that's why I'm so excited. Like, this whole thing's unbelievable. The fact that basketball was supposed to be in New York. Like the NBA was supposed to be in New York this year from everything we've heard. And suddenly it just flipped to the West coast and it's so cool. And you and I get to be there for the whole thing. So now I'm getting all fired up over here in July. (laughs) That's a good point. Um, You know, I I do, I I will say though, and this kind of transitions into the the next thing I wanted to get into. uh, You know, we, we, a lot of what we just talked about, what was you know sort of the offensive end and we didn't even really get into the offensive end that much but a lot of times when we do talk about stars we are you know kind of theorizing and analyzing the offensive end uh, it, it's, it's more digestible it's easier to see with, with the eye test uh you know y- you can see a guy dropping 35 points it's a lot harder to see a guy getting six seven eight deflections or or you know boxing out or you know switching on a screen or something like that stuff is a, is a you know a lot more difficult for the untrained eye, and that's something you probably have to break down with film or, or have someone kind of explain to you uh, if you don't really understand it as much. But uh, for me, what, what I'm really intrigued by with this Kawhi Paul George pairing is yes, you know they're both guys who've made clutch shots, game winning shots. Uh, you know, last season Paul George almost I think he was like 28, 29 points a game in the playoffs. Kawhi was almost 31 points a game, like. These two guys are bona fide, um, you know, I think both top 10 scores easily in the league. But to me, the interesting thing is the defensive side. And, you know, this is I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago uh, when I was out in Vegas at Summer League. I coincidentally just ran into Tom Thibodeau at the airport uh, and just started a conversation with him. We chatted for a good 15, 20 minutes. I asked him if he wouldn't mind answering some Clippers questions. He said, find me at Summer League and I'll do it found him, spoke with him and wrote a story about how he, you know, views this Clippers team uh, on par defensively with the that 08 Celtics team. Uh, I know you're you're a Boston guy, so I'm sure you'll have a take on that, but uh, you know that 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 to many people is, is one of the best defenses of all time, arguably the best modern defense of all time. Uh you know, you had Kevin Garnett, Rajon Rondo, uh Tony Allen, James Posey, Paul Pierce, PJ Brown, Perkins, all these guys. That, that was a loaded team where everyone was at least kind of competent defensively, if not better than that. Uh, but so I, I don't know if maybe this is taking that too far, but to me, I, I can't think of a better wing tandem defensively. You got Kawhi Leonard, who's won a couple of defensive player uh, of the year awards. Paul George just finished, uh, I believe top five in defensive player of the year last season. Both guys have made the off, uh, all defensive team multiple times. Uh, 
you know, to me, I really think that you have to go back to Scotty and MJ to come up with a better wing tandem defensively. Uh, you know, can, can you think of one? Uh, I wrote down a few, you know, pairings, but I don't think any of these are on that level. Like, how good can these two be together defensively? The real beauty of this whole thing is on the defensive side. I mean, that's it. When you have two wing defenders who can defend at the level of PG and Kawhi, it's, I, I'm trying to envision what teams do against them. And by the way, Beverly's obviously involved yeah, in this yeah, as no, well. Definitely. Right? So it, it's very hard for me to, to figure out what teams are going to do. I, no, I, so when you, you asked me this question yesterday, right? You're like, hey, yeah. think of somebody. I couldn't, I started scouring the league for the past 20 years. I couldn't find anybody. I kind of thought of our test and Kobe. Yeah, for a that, that little was, bit there. That was one of the ones I put. But, you know, I mean, is that really at the same level? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Kobe was a, an all-time defender when he wanted to be. Ron Artest is obviously Ron Artest, so we got to put him up there. But no, I, I think considering their age, I think this is the best duo defensively we've seen, at least on the wing, since Scotty. And, and Michael. And that's what's so scary for teams, especially at, like, the Beverly thing is, I, I think, key here. So like, just to kind of round it out, like, let's say you, you got Houston with with Westbrook and Harden, you know, you got either Kawhi or PG are going to be Garden James. That's a lockdown moment. And then you have Westbrook where I guess you could potentially put Beverly on him. And by the way, you're the X and X's and O's guy. So you can shut me down if you need me to, but that, that pick and roll with Capella and Westbrook or Capella and, and Harden, then you have either PG or Kawhi, maybe garden them. I don't know what they're supposed to do. And I'm just thinking of a really good offensive team. And I think Houston obviously will be, I think they struggle against these two. And I think they struggle overall against the Clippers defensively. Offensively is kind of where the questions for me come in. Defensively, there's no question. This is the best team defensively in the NBA. I think OKC was fourth in defensive rating last year, and I believe Toronto was fifth. And there's a reason for that. It's Kawhi and Paul George. They're leading the charge. They're both very similar players. I think it's going to be lockdown mode at Staples, man. I, I really do. Yeah. This will actually be the Clamp City, not the Avery Brad, That's right. Luke Mabamute. <laughs> Avery, Avery was your guy, though. Yeah, man. You know that. Oh, man. I, I've spilled too many words about Avery on this podcast. <laughs> uh, and I think I, I created the podcast around the time he got traded. And, and that tells you how much I've talked about him. But well, um, can, can I ask you something real quick about yeah. what I mentioned? The let, Taking Houston as an, as an example, right? So if you have, if you have what I, the, the scenario that I put out there, does that scenario make sense? And then yeah. how are they scoring? I, I don't understand well, that, who's, you know what I mean? Well, that, that, that yeah. And, and I, I think that, I think the beauty of it uh, and, and, you know, I, I was keeping it at, at the level of just Kawhi and Paul George, but I, I agree. I think you could throw a pad in there. I even think, you know, and this is maybe going a little bit too much into the weeds, but I, I think Mo Harkless and Rodney Magruder, mm. two guys who, who have been starters the last couple of years, those guys shifting, to the bench is so underrated because both guys were really the defensive stoppers for their teams. And, you know, it's one thing to kind of do it for a Portland or a Miami, you know, kind of, I mean, look, Port Portland obviously was successful last season, but like overall the last couple of years, they've kind of been up and down, you know, they they've been anywhere from the three seed to the eight seed. Uh, they're kind of all over the place. Like the solid playoff team, but, but, you know, not really a contender to the level that the Clippers project to be. Same thing with Miami, where you know they, they've been in the, in the playoffs, out of the playoffs. You know, usually a low seed, uh, but to, you know, 
for those guys to do that at, at that level and, and then kind of come off the bench, I, I think that that's really going to be a valuable asset where, you know, it's not just going to be the, the starters necessarily of, of Kawhi, Paul, and Pat. They're going to have guys off the bench. Like Mo Harkless has been a, a legit, you know, starter for the last three, four years for Portland. Yep. And now he's going to probably play 15 to 20 minutes a night off the bench. And I think, you know, that's a, it's a better role for him, really. He was probably over taxed starting. And he's another guy, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, long arms. So I, I just think you're going to be able to see these lineups where, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny to me. Like, it's been a running joke around the Clippers organization that, they like haven't had a good small forward in like 10 years. And, you know, really since like Corey Maggette, uh before he left. And if you look at the last 10 years of Clippers small forwards, it's just been a, a rotating cast of like Karan Butler at the end of his career and Matt Barnes at the end of his career. And, you know, like guys have been like solid, but uh, not really anything like crazy. And now all of a sudden they got, you know, Kawhi and Paul George. And then they even got like Mo Harkless, who was I mean, even even a guy like Tobias is more of a four. Gallo's more of a four. Like they had a bunch of guys either playing up or down at, at the three when, when they weren't really threes. So I think all of a sudden now they got an influx of like four or five small forwards that, that they hadn't had in years past. Uh, but no, I, I'm with you totally on that comparison against Houston. And I think one of the things that, that's so important is they just have so many guys to throw at you where, like you said, you know, you're going to put Kawhi or Paul George on, on James Harden. But then you could put the other guy on Russ or you could put the other guy on Eric Gordon or you could have that guy help off of P.J. Tucker or, or even guard Clint Capella and switch pick and rolls if they try to do the, the James Capella pick and roll. So it's like you just have so many defensive options and so much defensive versatility that I, I really think like that the, the Warriors aren't the Warriors. And, they you know, I, I think that depending on when Clay comes back and in and, and what shape he's in, they could really be a sneaky team that if they somehow break on the right side of the bracket, could could maybe even make a conference finals if all goes right. But, you know, what we kind of lost with losing the Warriors for at least half the season or more is that kind of team that forces you to play small, that that team that if you don't adjust to, you can't compete with. You know, you couldn't stay big against the Warriors. They would run you off the court. And now I'm wondering if the Clippers can kind of take that mantle from them where they kind of become that team of, you know, I don't know if they're going to start small and go Kawhi PG 3-4, but if they do choose to do that, I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on other teams because you can't have a, a like a Julius Randle, even though he's on the Knicks who are really bad, uh, or like even a guy like a Paul Millsap. That, that's really against Denver. Like that's a really difficult task to say, hey, Paul, go guard Paul George or Kawhi. Like I don't think he can really do that. So I think the Clippers have the potential to dictate how other teams play uh, with this versatility. God, the more you, the more you talk, Yovan, it makes me want to say that the Clippers are the best team in the league. And I, I, I came into this podcast not wanting to say that. And yes, I'm well aware that this is a Clippers podcast, but I, I didn't want to say it. But I, I just the the combination three and D guys are all we look for in the NBA. That's it. Okay, like, like that's all coaches talk about. Scouts are also give me a three and D, give me a three and D out of college, and you now have PG and Kawhi Leonard who are as good as they come, I mean, top 10 players 
on the same team and and defensively going to be an absolute menace. We could dive into the offense if you wanted to, but quite frankly, just on the defensive side, I think it's nasty. Um, The only problem for the Clippers to me would be a rim protector, but you know, I I think in today's NBA, it's not the end of the world. So um, now look, man, it's a one or two for me as far as duos. I I just, I I don't think there's anybody competing with the Clippers and the Lakers as far as um, best two players in the league on each team. I really don't. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich, lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough of the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor $3. All right. So my we, we just talked about the defensive end. And I think we're in agreement that, you know, defensively, this can be a very special tandem duo, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but, but the offensive end to me is where... I personally don't have a lot of questions, but it seems to be a a thing with people who want to poke holes in, in the Clippers team, which, you know, whenever there's a new shiny toy, there's always going to be the people that want to nitpick or criticize and, and totally get it. You know, that that's part of what we do, um, you know, as people in, in, in the media, but you know, there, there's been a thing about how the Clippers don't really have a traditional point guard. And I, again, I get that, but, to me, like you just pointed out, the, the, the offensive success of, of the Thunder and, and the Raptors with Kawhi and Paul George respectively at the helms and, and leading those teams, I'm just like, look, last season, this was a top nine offense. They were ninth in offensive rating. And that was with really Tobias Harris and Danilo Gallinari as the leading offensive players for 50 plus games. Then after the Tobias trade, Lou Williams stepped up, played really well, and then you were led by Lou and Gallo. And I'm just like, to go from Tobias and Gallo, or even Lou and Gallo, to Kawhi and Paul George is just such a monumental leap for me that, you know, even if it was as simple as saying, hey, Kawhi, go do everything Tobias did. Hey, Paul George, go do everything Gallo did, um, you know. Maybe you can make the case both of those guys are better shooters, but like the Clippers did run a lot of post-ups, a lot of wing isolations, a lot of like off-ball screen actions to get those guys open. And I just think everything's going to be that much better with, uh, you know, Kawhi and Paul George running it. And, you know, and, and anyone who wants to, and, you know, some people might even say Shea's gone. Well, Shea was a rookie point guard who actually handled the ball a lot less than, than most people probably thought. Um, and you know, a lot of times it would kind of play off the ball and then spot up and, and try to attack from the weak side and stuff. So I just think like, you know, 
am I saying they're going to be the best offensive in, in the league? No, that, you know, they might be a struggle for them to get into like the top five, but uh, you know, I just think with, with last season's group uh, they were ninth. And I think this is a better offensive offensive unit. You know, they're, they're bringing back, if you really look at last season's rotation, they're bringing back six of the top eight players of last season's rotation in the playoffs. The two guys they lost are Shane Gallo. They replaced them with Kawhi and Paul George. To me, that is a significant upgrade across the board, whether it's, you know, scoring potential, even ball handling and passing just overall. Like I think Kawhi and Paul George have become underrated kind of playmakers and passers. And just to me, it is so clearly an upgrade that again, if, if you want to nitpick and say they're not the best or even a top five offense, I'm not going to necessarily disagree. But to me, this team should have no issues, you know, handling the ball, uh, pa- pa- you know, creating plays for each other and scoring. I, I really think that there's going to be a lot of open threes, a lot of good ball movement. And, you know, I- I'm not really concerned about the offensive end. You're a lot kinder than I am. <laughs> you're, you're a very nice man. I really appreciate that. Um if you actually think that that's going to be a problem, you're out of your mind. This is the NBA. Stars win in the NBA. I don't understand the traditional playmaker thing. This isn't 1985. I've been watching Golden State for the past X amount of years. I'm pretty sure they don't have a quote-unquote traditional playmaker. Am I wrong here? No, they just have a guy who could pull up from 35 uh, feet. <laughs> yeah, right. That's And that worked. And then you have two guys who are probably going to be better than 98% of the opposing players that you're playing with. You make adjustments, you figure it out. I think you made a great point with Shea. Everybody kind of talked about, I guess he was the traditional playmaker, but he really wasn't. Like if you, if you watch the Clippers games, a lot of times he was playing off the ball. So to, to me, it's it's not an issue at all. Great players figure it out. And I'm pretty sure that Kawhi and Paul George are going to figure it out. And then you go to the bench and you have Lou and Trez, you know, some the, the greatest pick and roll we've seen in years doing their thing offensively. I think they're going to be just fine. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm curious. I know everybody talks about how Paul George and Kawhi like have this attitude that um, they don't really care who gets the credit, who who gets the ball. I, I mean, yeah, to a certain extent, I think that's probably the case from what we've seen. But I, I, I'd like to see how that plays out. At the end of the day, egos are still egos. And you get two guys who are top 10 in the league. I'm curious to see how that plays. I am. But as far as having a traditional playmaker. I don't care. I really don't care. Give me more talent. Basically what I'm, what I'm asking is, would you rather have a traditional playmaker or a team with more talent? I think the answer is quite simple. I mean, we watched it forever. And I really think too, if you look at, you know, what's become clearer and clearer to me is if you look at really from like 1980 on, or like, you know, late seventies, early eighties, whatever, kind of you know year you want to pick look at the teams that win championships and look at their best their best player or second best player it's rarely a point guard like we now have enough of a sample size that like um you know it, yes magic johnson yes isaiah thomas uh i guess you can throw tony parker in there which is kind of weird uh and steph of course uh chauncey billups like there's there's been scenarios but most of the time it's it's wings and big men it's jordan it's kobe it's lebron it's Shaq, it's duncan it's dirk it's kg it's pierce um it's wade it's Kawhi. 
you know, like uh, it, it's KD, uh, it's Clay Thompson, like so just uh, Draymond, like on and on and on. We just have such a sample size that you know it's so disproportionately favored to you know wings and big men lead to winning, and that's why to me, the, the, you know, the, the Lakers and the Clippers are, are, are should be the probably the two championship favorite or co favorites, whatever. Uh, just because, like we said, that you know they have the two best uh, you know, duos in the league, and both of them, you know, Lakers have a big and a wing, or maybe even two bigs, uh, and the Clippers have two wings. And, and to me, that's where it just shifts so dramatically. Where it's like, you know, we saw this with, with Lob City, where Chris Paul and Blake Griffin ultimately, you know, kept losing to, uh, you know, teams with, with with just you know better well better players, but but also bigger players. And I I think that you know th- there is a limitation clearly. I, I think. Um, for as great as Chris Paul is, I think I said this last podcast, uh, or, or I said I just said this recently somewhere. I was like, to me, Chris Paul is a you know probably a top five point guard ever. I think he, he's extremely underrated. Absolutely, uh, you know, all, all of all, you know all of his metrics would suggest he's the second best point guard behind Magic Johnson. I wouldn't put him that high, but I think he, he's in that top five conversation. But there also is a limitation to, to how far you can go with Chris Paul as your best or maybe even second best player. And I think you kind of saw that a little bit with Houston. Um, but so, you know, we're going off on a tangent a little bit here, but point being, you know, I think we're in agreement. Like, I, I just think the whole playmaker point guard thing is overblown. Like Pat Beverly is a very underrated playmaker. Uh, you saw him and Avica Zubats develop a pretty good chemistry in the pick and roll. Him and Jermichael, him and Montrez Harrell, and also Lou Williams. Like you said, Lou Williams, Trez pick and roll, what was probably the best pick and roll in the NBA last season. Uh, it's going to be up there again next season. Uh, you know, granted health for both guys. And I just think people are way overblowing this, you know, don't have a point guard. They need another point guard. Like I, I don't, I just don't agree. It's weak. It's weak. That, that, that's the only way of putting it is like, you're, if you want to poke holes, I, I get it. And you kind of mentioned it before in the media, you have to find something to harp on. I, I, I do it all the time. Okay. I get it. But that's not, that's not the one that you should be focusing on because it's if you you didn't even met Kyrie with with Cleveland was not a traditional guard and he was probably their second best player. Steph Curry is not a traditional point guard. He's just not. So if you actually dive deep into it, I'd love to see the last quote unquote traditional point guard to win an NBA championship. Bill Simmons makes great points all the time. Where he's like, can your best player be a small you know small point guard to win a championship? And I I can't really think of the last team that did it. If you can think of one, you know, in the last 15 years, then great. But it doesn't, it doesn't come to the top of my mind. I I think offensively, you got to give them 20 games, 15, 20 games. They'll figure it out. Talent wins in the NBA. We have seen this time after time. The Clippers will be just fine on both sides of the ball. Don't worry about it. We're in full agreement here. Uh, I also think people underrate. I mean, Doc Rivers is an amazing offensive coach in terms of his sets. I, I still remember that story. I, I don't know if you read it uh, on The Athletic that Ethan Strauss wrote about, um, you know, he kind of did a profile on an anonymous scout and, you know, one of those, uh, you know, traveling scouts who literally basically goes to like every single game um, or, you know, a different game every night for, they, they probably work harder than anyone in the NBA because they're constantly traveling they go to more games than coaches and players. Like they literally see like 120 plus games a year. And, uh, you know, to, to kind of prove that it wasn't a warrior scout, he had that, that person, 
uh, break down some of the warrior sets for him and, and go into detail about where they, they got some of their stuff from. And a lot of what Steve Kerr runs, he took from Doc Rivers. And I, I thought that was very interesting that, you know, a lot of the base principles of the Warriors offense come from Doc Rivers and what he uh, used to run in Boston and with the Clippers. And and more importantly, Yovan, on my side is that he's a players coach who understands stars. I yeah. really, I really think that's important. And you saw that in Boston for the whatever it was years he was there five years. He knows that when you have egos in the room, you have to massage it. And he's so he's he was so good at that in Boston. There was no reason really why that that KG Ray Allen Paul Paul uh, Paul Pierce team like to win the first year was pretty incredible if you look back on it. And I, I think the players give Doc the most credit in figuring out the style that they needed to play and allowing the three stars to kind of get their own at the right time. And I think he's the perfect perfect coach for this team. I really do. All right, that's enough Boston talk for. for <laughs> Come on, man! I could go on for like three hours. Uh, so let's say a magical genie appears right now, and he or she, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll I like that. Up to interpretation uh, tells you that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both going to play seventy plus games by season's end. You know the 2019-20 season. What is the Clippers' record? Where are they in the West, and where are they across the NBA in terms of you know all team records? Second in the West, I think Denver. I think Denver gets the one seed. Um, I'm very high on Denver. I as far as literally wins, or literally. Or <laughs> well, I I did. I was a radio host in Denver for about two years, so yeah, maybe. Um. I would say I would say low fifties, like really low fifties. So what the over under I think is like fifty four and a half. Am I wrong? Yeah, that, yeah Vegas. That's like one of the ones. I, I I don't think they're going over that. I, I say like fifty two. I, I I think fifty four and a half is a lot. A lot of in the Western Conference. Have you seen the Western Conference? It's brutal. There's going to be games on like a late Wednesday night where you just don't have it, and like you ran into a Dallas team that's hot, you know, with Luka. And I just, I, I, that, that's where I'm at. I'm a little bit, I'm under the 54 and a half. Okay, so I'm, this is the first time we've really disagreed. I love it. Uh, uh, <laughs> during this conversation. So I'm glad, last time there was a lot of disagreement. There was a lot of back and forth uh, banter. Now we've kind of been more in agreement, so this is good. Uh, for me, so... I, I was with you with the caveat that I was assuming Paul George was probably going to miss, you know, anywhere from five to 15 games to start the season and potentially implement another rest program where he would miss probably, I don't know, seven to 15 games of just sitting out maybe back to backs or, or just kind of intense parts of the schedule where it's, you know, maybe three games in four nights or, or just, you know, a week of, of, you know, four or five games, something like that, where he just kind of is like, look, like I already have that, you know, horrific leg injury a few years ago. Now I've had, you know, back-to-back shoulder problems. Like I need to take care of myself. I'm entering my late twenties. Like I got to preserve my health. You know, I could use the Kawhi model, play 60 to 65 games and, uh, you know, I'll be ready by the playoffs. Similar thing for Kawhi. You know, there'd been a lot of talk about, 
one of the things he, he had been talking about in the, his meetings with, with different teams was, was the load management stuff. And that, that's something he wanted to dictate for the rest of his career of, you know, every year I'm going to miss 15, 20 games, uh, mainly back to backs and kind of pick some games in the schedule that I want to sit out. So if you told me those guys were playing 60 to 65 games each, I'm with you on, on the low 50s because I, I do, and maybe even who knows, maybe they even go lower than that, missing the 20 games. Like, I think that they, it depends how selective they are with, with what games they miss. And if it's against like the Knicks or the Hornets or, or you know, kind of the, the, the worst teams in the league, they could probably get away with it. Cause, you know, again, one of my critiques was if you, if you take Kawhi Leonard and Paul George off this team, this is a worse team than last season. Like, you're, you're basically last season's team without Shane Gallo, which of course is a worse team. So, I don't think you can just pencil them in for, you know, 55 wins if these guys aren't fully healthy. But if you tell me they're going to miss, they're going to play 70 plus games, which is, you know, each of them missing 12 or fewer games, then I, I you know, my eyes start to light up. I'm like, all right, I do think the, the mid 50s is probably their floor for me. And I would actually go, what, what I wrote down here is I think they go 60 and 22 and have the best record in the league. Wow. Uh, to, to me, I, I'm in. I'm fully all in. Of I think this is the best team in the league. I think if they have, you know, full health throughout the the playoffs, they will win the championship. Uh, I do think they're going to make. They're going to find a way to get another big. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, th- that big man spot is kind of the weakest. Like I do think people kind of underrate Trez of like you know. And now it was just the Warriors series, so I don't know how much you could take from that, but like he was the best big in the Warriors series, I felt. And, and you know, ca- kind of clearly to me. Uh, and, you know, I thought he gave Kevon Looney the business. I thought he gave Bogut the business. I thought he gave Boogie the business. Like, uh, anyone they, they threw out there, Montrez Harrell was was beasting them inside in, in the pick and roll, dunking, offensive rebounds. Uh, I even thought Jermichael Green was really impressive in that series. So, yes, Evita Zubats had a lot of growing pains, a steep learning curve, and he's going to have to get better and tougher uh, especially now that the expectations are so much higher. But for me, if this team gets another big man, whether it's in the buyout market, trading for someone, uh, you know, may, I like a guy like Joakim Noah. I thought what he did with, with Memphis last season was pretty impressive over, you know, 20, 30 game sample. Uh, you know, add in just another tough big body. I, I think this team to me, uh, just because again, like looking at recent NBA hi- history, just even this decade, like LeBron and Wade, and Katie and then Steph and Clay, like I just think that perimeter play is so important. And yes, probably LeBron and AD will have something to say about that. But I just think at the other end, I don't know who the hell on the Lakers is going to guard those two. Uh, I really don't think it's going to be LeBron. I mean, maybe it has to be, but he can't guard both. Danny Green, six five, six six, is a little bit small. Avery Bradley, I've stated my feelings on him. Uh, and even if you want to throw him out there, he's six two, six three. KCP 6'5. Like, I just don't think the Lakers have the perimeter. Lakers to me have one weakness. It's their perimeter yeah. size defensively. Yeah. They don't really have that. Um, and, and then the, on the other end, the Clippers have, in my opinion, two of the best three or four guys to throw at LeBron. Like, Kawhi probably is and has been for the last five, six years the best LeBron defender in the league. Paul George is right up there, you know, played him really well in those Indiana Miami series. Uh, you know, I just think they're going to have so many bodies to throw at him that. You're never going to stop LeBron James, but those guys have had relative success, at least kind of bothering him a little bit. And 
you know, now we're kind of transitioning into the Lakers part where, where I think we're in agreement that they are probably the biggest threat to the Clippers overall. Uh, maybe you could throw Milwaukee or Philly in there too, but um, I'm very interested by this Lakers matchup because the blood has never been worse. Uh, you know, there's a lot of bad blood in LA right now. Like you said, it's the, it's the off season or not, not even the off season. It's the, it's the global capital like uh, of the NBA right now. Um, what do you think about this Lakers Clippers matchup and, and sort of, uh, are, you know, are these two going to have to go through each other in the conference finals at some point? Is, is this, is this inevitable? Uh, I don't think it's inevitable. No, I think the West is as deep as, as we've ever seen it. So, I mean, I, th- that's the one thing I, th- I think you, in my opinion, you kind of overlook as far as the win total for the Clippers. I think there's, like I said, there's going to be nights where you're going against a, a team in the West that's like might be the seventh or the eighth seed where I, I don't think it's that different kind of team-wise and talent-wise in the West. That's just me. I think there's teams that are really good, and I think the Clippers are really good too, but I, I think that you can take nights off in the NBA, and I think you do take nights off in the NBA. I think that's where they can bite you, and that's why I think they're in the low 50s. Well, mid-50s, 53, whatever. Um, yes, I, I think the Lakers and the Clippers are probably – I, I guess on a, on a collision course, if you will, I just think Denver – and Utah are going to have something to say about it. But the the bad blood and everything we talked about makes this so much fun here. Because now there, there's this thing in this city that I've never seen before. Like, I'm from Los Angeles. Clippers fans never had this kind of confidence before. It's great. It's hilarious. I got like five or six Clippers buddies. I've never heard them chirp more than they have in the past month. And Lakers fans are so bothered by it. And I just, I think it's, it's just so much fun for me right now. I mean, what's, what's nuts to me is this had been building where I think once what, to me, I noticed it post AD trade where once the Lakers traded AD and kind of all of the sudden entered the Kawhi sweepstakes right before free agency. Like they hadn't really been talked like it had been out there. I mean, sure. They, they might get a meeting with Kawhi. Like he could sign with the Lakers, but it had never really been that strong of a link of like Kawhi's interested in going to the Lakers. And all of a sudden they get AD and then all this stuff starts coming out. Lakers are about to get Kawhi. It's going to be a big three, all this stuff. And ever since then I've had Lakers fans in my mentions nonstop and it's actually been quite annoying because it's literally like I'll just tweet like I'll tweet five observations from Clippers Summer League and I'll just get random Laker fans like just like talking crap to me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not the team like, writer. Like I'm not, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm not a, a Clippers fan. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just, you know, I'm covering the team. I, I'm a beat writer. Like I'm supposed to write about the team. So like if you want to take out your your frustration, go take it out on someone else who's actually going to go back and forth. Now I've gone back and forth with a couple of people and I've kind of later regretted it of like, what the hell am I doing? Just wasting my time. They're irrational. Just talking. To yeah. And it, it's, it's just a lot of, it's in the, the thing that I, I'm interested in with this whole situation is, and I talked about this uh, uh, with Anthony Irwin on, on his uh, podcast on the lockdown Lakers podcast, uh, where Laker fans and Clipper fans always devolve into the same arguments where it's, you know, Laker fans, 16 rings to zero rings. And, you know, look at, uh, you know, we've had all the stars and Kobe and Shaq and LeBron and da, 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 and Clippers. It's, you know, well, we've been a better team for the last seven, eight years, you know, whatever you stop looking, you know, stop watching the history channel, like live in the moment. We've been better than you guys for almost a decade. Like, you know, you can't keep holding your championships over us when 
we, we've, you know, pretty much kicked your ass head to head for, you know, I think the Clippers have won 20 something of the 30 something games. And uh, I think average margin of victory has been like 12, 13 points. Like they have taken it to the Lakers really since the Lob City era started. And, but then Laker fans will turn around and be like, well, you guys didn't win anything in the playoffs. So what does it matter? And it's just this vicious cycle of going back and forth and back and forth. And to me, this season is kind of going to be the first time one side actually has something to hold over yeah. the other because they've never both been good at the same time. And really even 2006, like the, the Lakers weren't a championship contender. The, the Clippers were a fringe championship contender. And outside of that, you know, they've never finished top four in the same season. They've never played each other in the playoffs. And I think if we somehow had, you know, Lakers uh, fourth, Clippers second, uh, and they play in the conference finals and one of those two teams wins, now there's a history there. Now there is, you know, something one of the fan bases can hold over the other. And I think that's what we're looking yes. for here. We're like, that's the thing we want. Where like one fan base will have a leg up over the other if they finally play each other in the playoffs. And how? And I think we're all rooting for that. But let's here. Here's what where I'm at is if look in the last 10, 15 years of NBA championship NBA champions, who wins? It's the teams with the front offices that know what they're doing. That's who wins rings. And I don't, Lakers fans can talk about how they're, you know, they got all the banners and they get all the stars and whatever it may be. You have a front office that I still have no idea if they know what the hell they're doing. And I know that the Clippers know what they're doing. And I know they'll probably add a piece or two during the season. I don't know what Palenka is going to do. I think Palenka will probably just sit there and say, I got LeBron and I got AD and everything's going to be fine. I'll put my money on Jerry West and Lawrence Frank, and the rest of the Clippers organization over the Lakers any day of the week. I think we kind of forget about that. And I, I think it's look, it's going to be really, really fun, and I think they're somewhat evenly matched. I think the Lakers are obviously going to be eh, one or two, because like I said, I still love Denver. I could talk about Denver all day long. But I, the, the Lakers are going to be the top contender to, to beat the Clippers and, and hopefully meet in the Western Conference Finals. I, I just think yeah, I give the Clippers the edge because of I think the players are somewhat similar as far as talent on each team because I actually I think there's some like Boogie and Danny Green I think those are some additions that we kind of gloss over for some reason I just think the front office with the Clippers is that much better than the absolute inept work that has been done with the Lakers I I, I think it's it's going to be fascinating I just think the Clippers have the leg up and I you know what I'm kind of rooting for it. Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to root for teams? I mean, I'm I'm not a Clippers fan, but I've lived here for so long. These poor Clippers fans have just been tortured my entire my entire life. It's been it's been 30 years, and these poor guys have had nothing. I I, I think it'd be kind of fun to see the Clippers overtake the Lakers. But hey, I, I, if I write an article that's negative about the Lakers, I don't want to have anybody come back to this podcast. Uh yeah. <laughs> And uh, you got to be, no, I'm with you. And and, uh, I'm not, you know, uh, what I'm rooting for is the storyline. I just think that's going to be a great storyline. There's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of bad blood on both sides. And I I think for the Clippers, uh, I'm sure it meant a little extra something to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the two guys that spurned the Lakers in consecutive summers, the, the two guys that were, supposed locks to end up on the Lakers for the Clippers to get both those guys at the expense of the Lakers and LeBron James. 
uh, I really do think adds a extra layer. Yeah, to but Yovan, is, is it fa- sorry to interrupt? But is it fair for the Lakers to have bad blood about Kawhi? I don't think it is. He gave he he gave everybody that uh, much time. Well, yeah, I, I think for them, there's this element of they kind of feel like he was dragging them on, especially because it, you know, as uh, Sam Amick and I reported last week on The Athletic, like, you know, the, the Clippers had heard around July 3rd that uh, Kawhi really wanted Paul George. And if they could secure Paul George, that would pretty much lock in Kawhi to, to signing with them. And I think if you're the Lakers and you read something like that, uh, you're kind of like, well, that basically means you had decided you wanted to go to the Clippers. You were just kind of dragging us and the Raptors along. And, and that's kind of how the Raptors feel too. Obviously there's going to be sour feelings on whichever teams missed out on him. You know, the, there was going to be two losers and it was going to be, it was going to be extra painful because you weren't just missing out on Kawhi, but you were missing out on all the other free agency opportunities that passed you by, whether that was signing someone or doing a sign in trade or, you know, acquiring someone in cap space or something like there was a lot you missed out on waiting for Kawhi. He's definitely worth it. And I think it makes sense why everyone did that. But at the same time, it is, there's this element of like, well, did he kind of play us all along? I don't really buy that, but I do get why they'd be a little salty. Paul George, I think what you're kind of getting at was Paul George is a whole other thing where like, that's a lot of bad blood. Like that, you know, that whole situation was weird. Um, you know, and, and to not even give the Lakers a meeting and, and to resign and then demand a trade a year later is kind of its own thing that uh, I don't think we necessarily need to get into right now. But uh, it's interesting. But I, I do think there's an there's some extra bad blood. And look, LeBron is is a historically kind of petty and vengeful guy. Like I, I don't think I'm going too far out on a limb saying that. And uh, you know that that's why I think these matchups are going to be insane because I think. It's gonna it's gonna be blood. Like both sides are going at each other, uh, and you know it's it's just gonna matter. Can you imagine the rage at Staples Center? Oh God, it's gonna be beautiful. <laughs> I wrote something about halfway through the year about this very same thing because I don't want to sound like I'm being arrogant, but I, maybe I'll go ahead and do it. I, I thought the Clippers were about ready. <laughs> I think it was something like the little brothers about ready to take over the big brother. Right? There's always this like certain point in the relationship between the little brother and the big brother, where suddenly the little brother's like, eh, you know what? I'm not a kid anymore. I'm like six feet tall, 220 pounds. I can take this guy down. And I, you could see it happening. And I think the Clippers have now either evened up or gone over the Lakers, and that pisses off the big brother more than you could ever believe. My, I have a little brother, Yovan. Let me tell you, there was a point when I was when I was younger that I could sense it coming, and I, I think it's kind of similar to that. And those Lakers fans, they, it's very hard for them to accept the fact that they lost out on two of those players, as you alluded to, to the little brother, a team that they really never even recognized. Quite frankly, it was always dismissed. Just yeah, whatever. That's the Clippers. They're losers. They're never going to do anything. We're the Lakers. We get everybody that we want, and that didn't happen. So, I, I look. Just I don't think that the Lakers have th- that much reason to be upset about Kawhi. That's just me. I don't think so. But I think they're going to make it a thing, and I think Staples Center is going to be just filled with anger for the next year. And I can't wait to be there for every second of it. <laughs> see the the comparison i almost like is like i feel like the lakers were the kind of jock like douchey <laughs> older brother who like gets all the girls and you know 
is like the star athlete and like gets like good grades, you know, not, not great grades, but like, you know, just like pretty much everything in his life is good. Like there, there's no, you know, has friends is popular, whatever. And then you have like the little brother Clippers who, you know, nerdy, you know, no friends, no one really cared about. And, and his brother would just beat him up all the time. And, and, and then it got, kind of got to a point where he just stopped paying attention to him and he didn't even exist in his life. It was like, he wasn't even his brother. And then now the, the Clippers did grow up and, and they became, you know, a, a creative and a, a scholar. Wow. And, you know, now they're the, the, the brainiacs who, who are successful in their own right. And they're kind of forming their own identity outside of their older brother's shadow. Um, I, I know, I'm sure, I hope Clipper fans like that kind of ideology. They're probably going to get pissed at the whole little brother, big brother thing anyway. Oh, come on. So it I is what it is. That, that's, but, a, that's a uh, brilliant yeah. analogy. No, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think that that's kind of what it is. Where like, and you're you're seeing it. Where you're, you know, for so long, even the Lob City. Like, let's let's get to the nuts and bolts of this. I like where this is kind of going a little bit. Um, Lob City was almost like a knockoff Showtime. Like that that was kind of the thing of like you know the flashiness, the fast breaks, the exciting plays. Like Lob City was kind of the, the Clippers' own iteration of Showtime, and you were never going to out glamour and out Hollywood and, and out glitz the Lakers. That's never going to happen. You know, no team in the NBA can do that. And almost probably no team in sports can do that. Where like the Lakers are that Hollywood flashy, you know, sexy, attractive uh, team. And the Clippers have now formed their complete own identity where they're this blue collar gritty, you know, coming back from 31 points down in the playoffs and, you know, Pat Beverly and, and Montrez Harrell and Jermichael Green and, and now Kawhi and Paul George, like they have a certain ethos that is very anti-Lakers. And I think that was important for the Clippers to establish that because, you know, for many years, they just didn't even have an identity. And then their most recent success was kind of a knockoff of the Lakers identity. Mm-hmm. Now they have their own identity. It's, it's successful. Kawhi and Paul George both said part of the reason why they wanted to come to the Clippers was their identity, was the culture they had built over the last two seasons. So to me, that, that that's a factor that, um, you know, is kind of glossed over a little bit, but I do think that the Clippers sort of branching out and having their own identity and culture separate from the Lakers and almost anti, you know, what the, what the Lakers culture it started is, last year. It's really, important. it really did not, not only are they not like the Lakers they're they, they are well aware and they want to be the complete opposite. At least last teams, last year's team was right. I, I don't know what this year's team is going to be, but Last year, if you asked them about the difference between Lakers and Clippers fans specifically, and I did, th- the answer across the board was basically, man, we're blue collar. I don't know. There's no, the, the difference between yeah. the gap between us is huge. Lakers fans and the Lakers organization are about glitz and glamour, as you mentioned. Clippers fans and the Clippers organization is about getting down and dirty. And we're blue collar guys in, and there's a lot of that in Los Angeles. And they were so proud of that, right? You could see it. Like Patrick Beverly loved that stuff. He was all about it because he, you know, personifies that, obviously. I think, I do think it's going to be similar to that. I think you have two very, very different teams. And I think the LeBron, Rich Paul thing kind of ties into that, right? Where it's, it's the guys that get whatever they want, whenever they want it. And the Clippers are just clinging for scraps. And then finally, they've gotten to the point where you're now even. I think your, your point about the, the nerdy little brother and then the older brother is the, the kind of cool guy is beautiful. The little brother went to college, if you will. 
and figure it himself out. You know what I mean? And then the the, the older brother maybe uh, went to JUCO. Well, actually, I went to junior college. What am I talking about? <laughs> the older brother didn't quite figure out what was going on until the younger brother got back from college and was like, oh, damn, he's my equal. <laughs> uh, th- th- this has gone off the rails, but I love it. Um, so quickly, be- before we wrap up, before we get out of here, um, I want to know, you know, so – the Lakers, to me, uh, and I, I think to you, are, are the biggest threat because of the LeBron AD pairing. Like you said, uh, I like Danny Green. I, I think Boogie, uh, Boogie, and guys like Rondo, Avery Bradley are very hit or miss guys. Where if they hit, the Lakers' ceiling is incredible. Maybe even the highest in the league. If they miss, I think you could see a similar kind of dysfunctional cast to last season, where you know the, the top two to four or five guys on the team are pretty good and productive, but the rest of the roster is a little bit like, you know, what the hell do we piece together? Uh, But outside of the Lakers and and we'll keep this to the West because the East is its own conversation. That's a, that's a finals talk and we don't want to necessarily jump ahead or maybe we do, Uh, but among the rest of the West contenders. uh, So for me, I, I would put that list at Denver, Utah, Houston, and an outside shot at Golden State if Clay Thompson could come back by February, March, get up to something like 80, 90% of what he was. Now you have a, a similar roster to that 2015, 16 team that won 73 games. Uh, you know, I guess across the board, everyone's maybe a little bit worse, but you have D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I think we, we saw that we've seen the last couple of years, the Warriors resilience through injuries in the playoffs. Can't count them out. I don't think quite yet. I think you can in the regular season. I don't think they're going to have home court. I don't even know if they'll be a top five seed, but if they're that six, seven, eight seed and they get clay back, I think they'll be really dangerous. So in your opinion, among those four, uh, which other team do you think can present the, the most problems for the Clippers? Yeah, I think it would be Denver. Um, I think we've decided for some reason to overlook them because they didn't have a big off season. I mean, I, I, I think we get into this weird mode where the teams that make moves and make a big splash in the offseason are the only ones that we consider. Denver didn't need to do much. Um, you know, that was the, all year last season. They were battling for the one seed. Um, they were, you know, game seven against Portland to, to being in the Western Conference Finals. Like, I, I don't, I don't see why Denver wouldn't be the team to beat in the West. I mean, I, I guess the Clippers and the Lakers. I, if I was a betting man, I would probably say those are the two teams. Okay, I, I probably would. But Denver, I think, is so incredibly strong. I think continuity is overlooked in the NBA a little bit. I think Murray is is ready to take his next step. I love Gary Harris. Um, I, and then I'm with you as far as Golden State. I, I'm don't I don't count out Steph Curry. I don't know what's going to happen with Clay, but I, I I love Steve Kerr as a coach so much that I'm pretty sure he can figure out what to do with this roster. Uh, Utah does not scare me. I think they are the most overrated team in the West. And then Houston. Um, I'm just going to go on a limb here and say that I I don't care about them at all, and I don't think that they're they're a threat to the Clippers and the Lakers. I just I don't. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 I'm with, I actually, you know, my, my sneaky hot take was going to be heading into the season that actually still felt like Houston was arguably the best team yeah, Chris in Paul. The West, okay. yeah. uh, before the Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook trade. And I was just like, if you took Golden State out of the last two seasons, which of course is a giant, you know, what if, um, 
I felt like Houston would have made the finals, uh, in my opinion, both both times. Uh, and I think they would have won probably one championship of the two, or at least made the finals twice. And I think you look at that team so differently it, it, through that lens. But because they had the the you know the blew the double digit leads in Game Six and Game Seven, uh, you know, two seasons ago, and had that zero for twenty seven uh, stretch in Game Seven. And then, you know, lost in game six when we had kind of pegged them to win that series after KD went down. They, they lost that game six, kind of got in their heads. Uh, I think a lot of people were, were kind of over them when I was just like, yeah, but the one team that was in their way was Golden State. And Golden State's not the same, or at least shouldn't be next season. So if Golden State's not Golden State and they don't have a, a KD or they don't have a Clay firing at all cylinders, like, I just don't see why Houston can't make the finals. Like, but I, I think. Like you said, like the 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 Westbrook fit is so much worse in my opinion than Chris. Like yes, head to head, I think Chris, yes. Russell Westbrook's probably a better, a better player than Chris Paul. I don't even think that's definitive, but like sure, probably. But as a fit next to James Harden, I honestly couldn't think of a worse point guard. Like I re- I really can't think of a worse point guard because he's high volume and he can't shoot. Like that's literally like what are you doing? Um, and it's it's just funny to me because Houston is always pegged as this like analytics friendly like revolutionary cutting edge franchise and, and stuff but then they do things like get dwight howard and josh smith and, and russell westbrook and i'm like i just there's no way the analytics support that that's kind of like a talent thing uh but anyway <laughs> let's forget houston like you said uh i'm with you like i'm a, i'm lukewarm on utah i think people started to overrate them uh a lot where i I've, i actually have some questions of their depth i think people aren't really talking i think they've lost some depth um, I don't love the big, well, I like Ed Davis, but like outside of Davis and Gobert, I don't really love the big rotation. Uh, and I have questions like you're basically, I mean, Mike Conley is going to help a lot. And I think he's really, really good. And probably one of the more underrated players in the league, but you're still kind of mm-hmm. putting a lot on Donovan Mitchell and like Donovan Mitchell has to be that go-to guy. And I don't know if he's capable. First off, I don't know if he's capable of that, but I, I don't know if he's capable of that in year three. Uh, but so Utah, so for me, it's Denver versus Golden State. My, my thing with Denver is, I don't know what it is with me. I'm just not How very could high you on be? Portland. So like the whole Portland thing, uh, like, but that but that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Or I'm like, you guys couldn't get past Portland. Mm-hmm. You had home court. You still lost. Uh, I know maybe that four overtime thing kind of sw- swung the series one way or the other. But I, I just felt like, uh, you know, they were kind of on that weak side of the bracket. and it was almost like the bracket of death on one side and then kind of, a, you know, not, not, but, but anyway, so Denver, I like, I, I just think their one weakness would similarly be kind of, they are a bit smaller on the perimeter. Uh, you know, Jamal Murray is like what six, two, six, well, he's a point guard. So it doesn't really matter as much, but like Gary Harris is like six, five. Uh, Will Barton's like a skinny six, six. You got Tory Craig, but like, you know, he's not much of an offensive threat. So there's kind of a limit to his role. And I'm just like, yes, I love the Jeremy Grant addition. I think he's going to be, don't huge, forget Michael Porter Jr. If he closes never games over Millsap. Uh, Jokic is my guy. Jokic is, you know, Serbian. Uh, that's my dude. I, I, you know, I think he might be the MVP favorite next season. Uh, but uh, and I, and he's given the Clippers problems and he, he still should give the Clippers problems. But uh, I'm just like, I think if you can put, Kawhi or PG on Jamal Murray in a playoff series uh, and put the other one on whichever other you know Nuggets wing is hot. I just think it's going to be really difficult to score uh, like like we've discussed. And, and then on the other end, I just don't think they have great guys. Like 
Gary Harris can't guard one of those two guys. I don't think, uh, you know, I think Craig can, uh, maybe Barton can in, in spurts, but like, I just think those two guys are, are going to give them a lot of problems. And then the Warriors, I guess if I had to pick, I'm still a Warriors believer. And the, with the caveat that this would be contingent on clay coming back by February, March at 80% plus, I think that they're going to be a tough, tough out. And if it, it's a similar thing where like you have the Lakers Clippers and, and maybe the nuggets on one side of the bracket and the Warriors on the other side with like the jazz and maybe, you know, the rockets and someone else, like I could actually see the Warriors breaking through and making the conference finals. So um, I think Steph is, is just such a, you know, peak Steph is just basically unguardable. Um, you sometimes don't see it in the playoffs. So maybe that's, you know, it doesn't happen, but, uh, if you get Steph rolling, if you get Clay back, if you get D'Angelo in their system and or flip him, uh, you know, I, I just think that Golden's – I like their big – you know, I think Willie Collistein's a sneaky addition for them. I, I think Kevon Looney was huge in the playoffs. Like, uh, yeah, I don't love their wings outside of the, the top ones, but I don't know. I guess I, I would go with Golden State for now, but a lot can change. You know, there, there's probably going to be more trades. Chris Paul's probably going to get traded. Uh, before the season or some point in the season. And, uh, you know, who, who someone's going to get Andre Godala. That, that's an, I think that's another thing where if he goes to Houston or, or the Lakers, And I know we're running, running short on time, so I'll make this quick. But you, the Denver point, I, I get that that loss was bad. Um, but generally speaking, championship teams have those moments where the year before, there's bad losses in most of the championship teams that we see from the year before previous years, there's a breakthrough point. And so for like, that's why I don't look at that Portland loss as like the end of the world. I, you get better. Denver wasn't supposed to be there last year. Anyways, they just weren't, they popped up and everybody was so floored. Like everybody forgets that those yeah. warriors teams when they were young, went through some, some issues in the postseason. right? It took a little bit Cleveland lost there when, when LeBron came back, I, I, I just think maybe you're overrating that a little bit, and that's fine because that was a bad Game 7 loss. I, I just think Denver, to get that experience that I had to go deep into the postseason, gets that much better. And I'm such a huge Jokic fan that I, I agree with you, and now I'm annoyed because I was going to write an article on this. I think he's the MVP favorite going into next year. So, look, I, I think it is. I think I think we generally agree, though. I think it's Lakers and then Denver, Golden State, kind of interchangeable as far as the, the Clippers competition. All right, Joe. Well, this was fun. Uh, thanks for making the time. I'm, I'm hopeful people will be able to hear, comprehend. Yeah, we nailed it. We're fine. Take in this episode. <laughs> uh, missing out. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're amazing. Um, I don't know who has a bigger ego. I think it's probably you, but it could be close. Um, but uh, wh- where can yeah. people find you on the interwebs? Where where can they find your? Yeah, you can read me at uh, sportingnews.com. I also do some, some stuff for NBA Canada. So um, yeah, go ahead and read me there. And then on Twitter at, at Joe Morgan Takes, T A K E S. Well, this was fun, man. We'll, uh, you know, we'll have to do this again. And maybe around the time of the season, if not during the season, I will be seeing you probably a lot uh, at, at Staples Center. And, you know, more than it's going to I mean, it's just going to be nonstop coverage, nonstop madness, everything about Kawhi and PG. And uh, it, it both of our jobs, I think, got a lot more interesting. Can't wait, brother. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can follow me on social media at Yovan Buha. That is at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. 
please read my work on The Athletic. If you are not subscribed, you can subscribe for one week for free. If you like it, you can continue to subscribe for the price of a cup of coffee. If you do not like it, you can unsubscribe, but I highly recommend that or highly don't recommend that. Um, and I don't know if you guys saw, but it was just announced today uh, in Bloomberg that The Athletic recently crossed the 500,000 subscriber threshold. That's a really big moment for us. So if you are not reading it, uh, please at least give it a shot. And again, uh, no need to subscribe for over a week if you don't want to. And last but not least, as always, please subscribe to this podcast, the Clip City Podcast. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Also check out other Blue Wire podcasts. Uh, this is, I'll be back to our regularly scheduled scheduled can't even talk right now uh tuesday postings uh moving forward so be on the lookout for those uh throughout august and september sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.